I think a new team has arrived in the AFC West, and their name is the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Stops, launches deep. Jalen Guyton, he's got it. Herbert fires open, making the grab. Mike Williams down the sideline. 17-yard line, look out again. Carr, intercepted. And we're back with another episode of the Shock Therapy Podcast brought to you by the State Again Network. Uh, we got some changes coming to the podcast a little bit. We're going to be doing two episodes a week. They're going to be shorter episodes instead of making you guys sit through a whole full hour. I think this is a, a kind of a good way to, to kind of go about this. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I'm going to break it up uh, to two 30-minute um episodes a, a little recap early in the week and then a kind of um a little a preview. preview closer to the weekend uh to get excited for chargers football there hasn't been a whole lot of it this year it's been a really i think the off season we were ecstatic we got into the season lost some really key players some guys that we were expecting big things from this year um and especially going into that bye with that 37 to 23 embarrassing loss to the seahawks holding on to that for two weeks. It's been a lot, but we're back. You know, we got 10 more games, new format to the shock therapy podcast. It, we're still right in the middle of things. So um, I, I, it's very easy. I think as fans to, to get down on yourselves, I understand the frustration, but we got 10 more weeks. People We're just a game out of the uh, conference or out of the division lead. Um, so it, it's time to get to work. I'm excited. I, uh, I I took this loss and I went and I went backpacking for a week. So we're not going to break down that game because nobody wants to hear about that game that happened almost two weeks ago. Uh, let's start this off with kind of doing the, the bye week has just passed. And I think it's a good time to kind of just take a, a, a look at the current state of the roster. Um, Chargers are dealing with a heavy dose of injuries, more so toward the offensive side of the ball. Um, you got Rayshon Slater, who's out with torn biceps. Uh, hopefully we can bring him back for a playoff push. Corey Lindsley has had some tendonitis and he's dealt with some sickness. His overall health uh, is kind of in and out from week to week. Future's kind of murky there. Keenan Allen, who knows, right? Partial hamstring Man. tear, maybe. I, I don't know what's going on with that. Any ideas yeah, on, on when we're going to see Keenan Allen back? It's not going to be this week. You know what? Um, at this point, I think anybody's guess is as good as what I can come up with right now. Um, I think the biggest thing is how frustrating it is. And I think it, it's kind of the, uh, you know, what is epitomizing our, our season right now is just those injuries to key guys. Um, it's tough. I, I think, you know, in hindsight, maybe he probably shouldn't have played that Seahawks game, uh, but it's easy to say that now because then I was so excited for to see him back in the lineup. Yeah, he tweaked some things. It's not responding the way he was hoping it would. Um, 
but that's just the competitor in him. I, I know he wants to be out there. I hope he can heal up. I hope somebody in the organization can just, you know, take him aside and be like, listen, you know, you are more important than just one game. Uh, we need him. We need him healthy um, and, and, and performing at 100%. And with those hamstrings, nothing you know fixes it, it but like? rest. What? You remember when Nasir Adderley had that hamstring issue his rookie year and he ended up having like a, a partial tear in his hamstring that kind of kept him out the whole year? Right? I it's didn't... eerily similar to, to that a couple seasons ago where he just wasn't healthy. And they yeah. ended up putting um, him on IR, which is yeah. what I think we should do at this point in time. Let's put him on IR, cut him out for the next four weeks, bring him back in December, week 14 sometime. And just get him right instead of like just not being a hundred percent. Like it just doesn't seem like he needs to be in the lineup right now. Right. Well, and even when he was, like he he wasn't himself, he wasn't contributing to wins. At this point, we need to figure out how to win with what we got and hope that we can rattle off some wins in this stretch and then by week eleven, week twelve, when we are expecting guys like uh Mike Williams. Uh, Joey Bosa to be returning back to the lineup. Hopefully that will be the same type of return um, for Keenan. But again, with that injury, it's not like a, you know, a bruise uh, where you can just kind of strengthen the stuff around it. Those hamstrings, the, the only healing for that is just to stay off of it. Um, so him on the sideline doing Rest that sideline work. It, well, even, even then, like it, it depends how, how bad it is. Uh there's a level of it to where stretching is going to actually hurt it. So we don't know. I don't see, I haven't seen the MRIs. I don't really know what is going on uh, with that injury. I just know it's frustrating. And I know that he needs a lot more rest than what he has been getting up to this point. And if he wants to come back at the, at, at this point, dude, like, yeah, you, you need to take two to three, two to four weeks off completely resting it, doing nothing, but, you know, hitting the film room, watching from home, and resting up because he's more valuable 100% than he ever could be at the 50-30% that he is right now. You also have Mike Williams out with a high ankle sprain three to five weeks. That's another kind of week 14 look. Uh, Josh Palmer, mostly healthy. Uh, two concussions and back uh, going back to training camp. He's our wide receiver one as of now. We've lost Jalen Guyton for the year with the torn ACL. Donald Parham started the, the offseason with a hamstring injury, uh, also has a concussion. That future looks pretty murky right now. And then Joshua Kelly, I didn't see him on the injury report. Uh, looks like he had an ankle sprain, uh, maybe another week or two. I'm not really sure where he's at. Then defensively, we're relatively healthy. The, the key injuries being to key players, Joey Bosa, torn groin, Required surgeries back at the facility, considered week to week, but I'm not expect, expecting to see him back uh, on the field at all this month. He had a major injury, so again, I'm looking kind of at week 14. Uh, J.C. Jackson, first the bone removal on the ankle that sapped all that confidence, Man. rushed out to the field a little bit too quickly. Then he has his major knee injury, dislocates his patella, and then later reported as a ruptured patella tendon. This is a serious injury. He's going to be out the rest of this season, and his rehab is likely going to extend all the way out into training camp next year. Uh, doing some research on this, this is typically an 8- to 12-month rehab process. So J.C. Jackson's going to be out a while. Uh, the other two injuries 
Uh, Chris Rumpf dealing with some sort of knee injury, hasn't practiced. Uh, Chargers signed Jeremiah Atauchu to kind of bridge the gap. And then Dustin Hopkins, uh, kicking leg, hamstring, happened a few weeks ago, kicked through it, won the Chargers game. Uh, wasn't too big of a loss considering Taylor Burlett had filled in pretty nicely, but he's on injured now as well. And we signed Dicker the kicker to kind of uh, bridge kicker. that gap. <laughs> and then a couple other minor injuries that have happened this year. Drew Tranquil has missed series, not games. Um, Jerry Tillery popped up on the injury report. Trey Pipkins has missed a couple series. And then obviously Justin Herbert's ribs. He's not even listed on the injury report anymore. So nothing to deal with there. Um, I'm also really not too worried about JC Jackson being out. He was the Chargers fourth best corner so far this season. It's really not a huge loss because he has not played well up to this point. We have sufficient depth depth at that position. Uh, tight end Tone Smart was also Stone Smart was also activated from IR. Uh, could be making a debut. That's saying something considering they held a roster spot for what essentially is a tight end four. Um, but that's kind of the state of the roster and where we're at coming up today, losing our top four wide receivers. And I think this is a great time to do some self-scouting, take a look at, at, at our roster, at our issues across the board. And I'll let you go ahead and start it and talk about Justin Herbert, where mm-hmm. kind of has he uh, fallen in this season? And what are you seeing so far with his play this year? Yeah, um, a bit. It, obviously, you, you know, um, after the phenomenal rookie year, he builds on it, uh, has all of those historic accolades his sophomore season. I, I would be lying if I said this was anything more than, you know, disappointing out of the, you know, the first seven games that we played. Um, But a lot of it can be attributed to those injuries. No Keenan Allen, that is a huge safety blanket for that guy. And he's been without it. Uh, He's had to adapt. He's kind of found that new kind of safety role, I think, in between Austin Eckler and Gerald Everett, really, you know, honing in on those checkdowns. But because of it, because you don't have the man beater, because that doesn't open up the deep shots to Mike Williams because you don't have the speed threat that Jalen Guyton was for us last season. It has gotten this offense in a whole very one dimensional. There's really not a whole lot for Justin to do. Obviously he's dealing with that injury. He's not a hundred percent. He won't tell you anything less because he's a competitor. He wants to be out there, uh, but he, he's not making the throws that we have been accustomed to seeing those first couple of years. And I think a lot of it is just because he's finding himself in this in, in, in this uh, league. You know, those first couple of years came kind of easy to him because nobody was really expecting much from a guy who was kind of overlooked, who came from a struggling offense in Oregon. People are game planning for this guy. They're game planning for him weeks in advance because he is that talented. So I think what you're seeing is a combination of he's him being injured him not having his safety blankets that he's used to, him dealing with a lot of shuffling on the offensive line, not having your left tackle and not having the best center in football coming in and out of the lineup. That is really, really hard to get into a rhythm. Um, And then on top of that, you're seeing defensive playing him a lot more effectively. They're giving him a lot more respect. Um, And he's finding that this is a league where you got to earn it. You got to fight for it. He, I think, is is figuring out that 
he is going to have to make some more plays. He is going to have to take a couple more chances. It's not really his MO, but he's going to have to start not forcing it, but looking for more than what the defense is giving him at times. He's going to need to figure out when to take those chances and when to check down. And right now, it seems like he's just got into the rhythm of, oh, my number one option down the field isn't there. Check down. And that's not always the best outcome. That's always it's not always the best scenario. I, I think there's a lot that's going into this kind of downturn of a year. Um, but this isn't the this isn't the guy that we drafted. This isn't the guy that we're building around. This is just a kind of an asterisk. And it's a, the first half of the season. We got 10 football games left. A lot can change. I'm hoping we schemed a lot more. We put a lot more on this guy's shoulders over this off this uh, bye week uh, because I think he's capable of a lot more. I think it's time to go and trust him, let him loose, and, and see what the guy's made of. We got to be all right with him turning the ball over once in a while, as long if he is able to make some game-changing type of plays. And we haven't, we just haven't seen that so far this year. I think it's safe to say that this season, compared to what we've seen the last two seasons, Justin Herbert has regressed a little. It's not all his fault. There's mm-hmm. been play calling issues brought on by really what is personnel issues yeah. is what it comes down to. You're down your top four wide receivers. You're yeah. down a six, eight tight end. He's now missing an all pro left tackle and he's missed his all pro center for stretches. He's not having a definitive run game, which is affecting the passing game. The The looks defenses are giving him are, are past the, the team is missing a field stretcher that opens up the route runners underneath. Uh, Mike Williams, I don't consider a field stretcher. Safeties are not playing deeper because of the speed threat. There, there is no speed threat with Mike Williams. They're playing their normal alignment. They know the danger is being in position but getting out muscled with him. So the, the fact that there is no speed threat that is forcing those safeties and those linebackers to play a little bit deeper is forcing churchers to – forcing Justin Herbert to make very, very accurate contested catches, throws in kind of those lanes. And that's a huge part of the issues with the play calling. You can't call deep plays if you don't have anybody that can get deep other than Mike Williams. That is huge. Um, But one of the things that has gotten really good with, with Justin Herbert, he's gotten a lot better at navigating pressure. He's Mm -hmm. protecting the ball. He's less efficient overall because of the offensive personnel issues, lack of speed threat leading to the shorter, quick throws to the, the weakest wide receiver core there is in the NFL heading into week nine, just because of the injuries. Uh, I went and did a really, really deep dive on Justin Herbert this year, and he's sitting right about top 15 in just about every quarterback metric you can think of, not statistically, but in terms of metrics, like looking across PFF, not the end all be all, but his offensive grade uh, 15th among quarterbacks, his passing grade 16th, Big-time throws, 20th, uh, adjusted completion percentage, 16th, drops, 13th, batted throws at the line of scrimmage. He ranks third highest, which is a product of the short throws, the distance of the target, uh, throwaways, 16th. Uh, Here's a really interesting one. There's 32 starting NFL quarterbacks right now. Justin Herbert, his average distance of targets ranks 34th (laughs) which is really really interesting when you take that into account um total pressures second most but he's only taken 10 sacks so he's navigating pressure 
very, very well. He is the second most pressured quarterback in the NFL, but That's he's also insane. like the 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 sixth in terms of sacks. Uh, time to throw tenth. Uh, first down throws eighth. He is playing very, very average with no weapons to throw to right now. No weapons so, and no protection. Those, no weapons. Poor, no weapons, no protection, no run game. What? That's just, that is just putting the team on your back. Um, wow. I, I <laughs> those numbers really It is really interesting back it when you put all of yeah. that into context, wow. right? So he's playing very, very average with no help, essentially. And that really kind of moves me into Austin Eckler. Um, we have a very similar issue that we had last season. Austin Eckler is leading the team in carries. He's leading the team in rushing yards. He's leading the team in total receptions, targets, total touchdowns, and he's currently sitting wow. second in total receiving yards. He is really the engine pushing this offense. And he's nowhere near as effective as he was the last season at it. He's got 84 attempts or 380 yards. He's averaging 4.5 yards per carry. That seems pretty decent, right? But you take into account that he has one carry for 71 yards, like one massive, huge gain. I think it was against the Texans. You take that out of the equation, 83 attempts, 309 yards, He's really averaging like 3.7 yards per carry with the benchmark being kind of four, right? That's that's really interesting when you take into account that um, he ranks about 20th right now in terms of yards per carry across the NFL. But you take that one play out, it moves him closer to like 45th. So the Chargers run game, it's not all on him, but the Chargers run game our lead back is near the 50th in the league in terms of yards per carry. You take that one play away. That's an insane statistic, and it really just describes the issue that the team is having with the running game. Any thoughts on Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly, Sony Michelle, and yeah. you know Isaiah um, Spiller, who has one carry? We need we need the Melvin Gordon to you know. Eckler's Batman. We need we need his Robin, and I've been saying it a long time for for Joey Bosa. We went out and got Khalil Mack. Uh, that we were joking that it wasn't even a, a, a assembling a. What I'm getting ahead of myself. We really need a guy. I love Austin Eckler. You know, I come on this podcast every week and, and rave about the guy. He's the best pass catching running back in the league, and I'm not saying he's a bad runner. But it tires him out, and it takes him away from being effective, being able to bust those long runs when he does carry the ball. And really, it takes him out of being one of the best receivers out of the backfield. We need somebody – we've been saying it all year – that we need somebody to emerge as a legit running back two. And I don't even need a running back two at this point. I need a 1B to Oscar Eckler's 1A, a guy who we'll can – for two years. Uh, I, I'll, we'll say it for three years probably. Like At this point – there's no like Sony Michelle can't get more than two yards and he's going to get two yards. So he's really decent in those short yardage positions, but that's it. The guy has no type of burst. He can get downfield. He's a one cut guy at this point in his career. He's going to get you two, but that's it. 
That's his he's been floor really and effective ceiling. at picking up first downs with those two. Yeah, so but he's not one, somebody 31. that I don't think we can rely on uh, no, as a you know fifteen carry back. It's time to get. It's time to get Isaiah Spiller a shot. Let me see what this kid can do. If he's not the answer, he's not the answer. Joshua Kelly going down. That was a big, big bummer uh, because I thought he was really building towards something. I thought we were really close to letting him loose. Uh, he goes down with, you know, that injury designation, which was a big bummer. It really just sapped the rhythm that he was building. I hope he can get it back soon because I'm a big fan of the kid. But at this point, we, something needs to change. Michelle has proven he has proven that he is not the answer there for for what we need. I think it's time for Isaiah Spiller. And at this point, if if the coaching staff believes in him, give it to Larry Roundtree, five, six touches a game. Just give me some break. Give me some relief from Austin Eckler so he can run through those shoestring tackles so he can go get another 18 touchdowns this season because he's capable. We're just riding that man way too hard right now. But really, it's not really all on the running backs. It's on the offensive line. This has been a really, really tough year for Matt Filer. Mm. Austin Eckler is averaging 2.6 yards per carry when running to the left side B-gap. And that was the strength of this rushing game last season. In all, the team is averaging 3.2 yards per carry when running to Filer's gap. 3.7 when running to the left tackle. The Chargers, out of the Chargers, 35 rushing first downs this season, just one has gone to the left guard B-gap. Just mm. one out of all. That's got a, that's a lot of issue with Matt Filer right now. Matt Filer's run blocking grade this season, 42.3. That ranks 22 out of 26 of all Chargers offensive players. That's just on the Chargers. In terms of all offensive guards, he is the worst starting offensive guard when it comes to run blocking, In uh, according to PFF. Like, he is the worst. Uh, the Chargers have allowed five sacks due to the offensive line. Uh, that is third best in the league. So protection-wise, we're not giving up a whole lot of sacks. And 85 total pressures, that's six worth. So that's me to saying that Justin Herbert's been really navigating the pressure really well. Uh, if that's not proof of him being able to, to navigate those sacks, I don't know what is. A couple other notes I have on the Chargers offensive line. Uh, Jamari Sawyer, Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley, Zion Johnson, Trey Pipkins. That is our starting um, offensive line right now. Matt Filer has given up the fourth most pressures among all guards in the NFL. So not only is Matt Filer not getting it done on the run, he's not getting it done in the pass as well. Um, he's allowing a pressure at 5.7% of his total snaps. Zion Johnson's not too far behind. Uh, ninth most pressures among all guards. Interior pressure. I went and tried to, to it make sense. Like, why are we giving up so much pressure, uh, interior pressure? And it literally has everything to do with Corey Lindsley. The interior pass protection has been drastically different with Corey Lindsley in the lineup versus Will Clapp. In the games that Will Clapp has started, Kansas City, Jacksonville, and Denver, Byler gave up five pressures, seven pressures, and three. 15 of his total 20. Mm. So three quarters of his total pressures have come with Will Clapp in the lineup. 
That's huge. That's insane. I went and took a look over at Zion. And Zion's given up two, five, and four in those three games. 11 out of 18. Over half of his pressures came with Will Clapp in the lineup. I didn't even take a look at Will Clapp's metrics because that told me everything I needed to know about that consistency, that feel on the offensive line, right? The offensive line playing together, it's so much of a feel, understanding what your guy next to you is going to do. And Matt Filer, Zion Johnson have absolutely no idea what's going on with Will Clapp in the lineup. The last little tidbit I want to talk about, Trey Pipkins. He's been playing really, really good, and he's probably the Chargers' best non-Corey Lindsley, best pass protector on the offensive line this season. He's allowing just a 4.7% pressure rate, um, and he's just gotten much, much better at the position. I think he's playing himself out of a contract next year uh, into a better contract with another team. I think I'm really interested to see what the Chargers do with Jamari Salyer. Is he, they going to move him to left guard and replace Matt Filer, our worst graded offensive lineman this season? Or is he going to move over to right tackle and replace Trey Pipkins, who's going to be a free agent? Um, but overall, with, with Trey Pipkins, I think we're juicing him for everything we can squeeze out of him before we let him hit free, free agency. I'm just going to say that he's by far exceeded expectations. Those everything I can say about the offensive line. Um, if you have any other comments, go for it. If not, you can move on to the wide receiver room. Uh, yeah, no, all I was going to say is, is the, you know, the, I think the biggest thing why we aren't effectively, you know, able to, to run block is just the lack of consi- consistency, which has led to a disbelief in, you know, those young guys who aren't supposed to be being, aren't, aren't supposed to be in there. The will clap, um, you know, Will Clapp, Jamari Sawyer, they've been playing okay. I think Jamario Sawyer's been playing all right. Will Clapp has been not very great. But that has led to guys, Matt Filer in particular, over there on the left side, having to overcompensate because he doesn't trust the guy next to him, to, to the left or to the right of him, to pick up their assignment. So you're seeing guys kind of overcompensating. They're not strict in their discipline, not strict in, in their scheme. And you're kind of coming out of yourselves. You're trying to do too much. And it has led to this just pedestrian run game. I'm hoping if we can get some consistency, at least in that unit, you're going to see that confidence rise, which is going to lead to that consistency that I'm talking about. Then those big plays are going to come. That's going to get guys going. We were How pumped was that unit after Eckler busted that 71-yard run? And those are an anomaly. I'm not even talking about the 11-yard runs. Give me eight 10-yard runs. That's going to still build that same type of confidence. We need some juice in the run game. That all starts with consistency, getting guys healthy, getting guys comfortable next to each other. Um, and I, I'm really excited for that over the next three, four weeks because they're going to be pivotal for us if we are going to make a, a playoff push here come you know December and January. Uh, the Chargers starting wide receiver core is going to be made up of Josh Palmer, DeAndre Carter, Michael Bandy, and Jason Moore. I also think Keelan Doss is going to get activated at some point. Uh-oh. Um, Mike Williams, probably not going to be playing a couple weeks. Keenan Allen, we know, is not going to be out there. There's going to be a heavy dose of Gerald Everett, and maybe Stone Sarp makes an experience, uh, an appearance. Obviously, this team is really, really struggling with health. 
It lacks a speed threat. It's lacking a third down target. And it's having trouble with separations groups, causing so many headaches for Joe Lombardi to figure out his play calling uh, until Keenan and Mac are, and, and um, uh, Keenan and Mike Williams are back in the lineup. It's just going to continue to get even more painful. Um, this is a really, really important time for Josh Palmer's development to be able to take over as the Chargers true wide receiver one for at least the next few weeks. Uh, Jason Moore is going to be your Z receiver. DeAndre Carter is going to be playing in the slot along with Michael Bandy. Um, if either of them goes out, though, if either of those two outside guys, uh, Josh Palmer or Jason Moore, go out, the Chargers have no no longer have an outside receiver, which is terrifying to me. Um, yeah. This is quickly somehow became the worst wide receiver core in the NFL. Looking yeah. over across Mike Williams, I, I talked about it a few minutes ago. He's not a speed threat. He's not a deep threat. He is a box-out, contested type of guy. Uh, DeAndre Carter played really, really well so far this season. Uh, he's been He's an above-average route runner who understands the Chargers' spacing concepts. Uh, and he's shown that he's got some pretty strong hands. He's super tough. I've seen him take hit after hit on the kickoffs, on some of the other things, and he's bounced back up like nothing happened. I feel like Josh Palmer really hasn't hit his stride. I was super pumped about him. I was calling him yeah. a, uh, a, uh, a rising star, and it just hasn't happened. These next three weeks are going to be crucial to his development, in my opinion. And then the last player I want to kind of touch on, Gerald Everett, is on track to be his own personal best. He's playing like a top 10 in, 10 in a, a tight end in the NFL. It feels really good to have a young, healthy tight end again who can be a factor in the passing game. We don't have an aging Jared Cook right now. We don't have an aging Antonio Gates. Plus, he's a threat with the ball to, to pick up all that hidden yardage, which is so important. Um, and he still hasn't even gotten a real opportunity to feast either. either. When the attention moves over to Allen, uh, when Allen eventually returns, Everett's really going to excel. Like I think he has an opportunity to get even better design plays, knowing that the ball is going to be getting you know eight to twelve targets to Keenan Allen whenever he comes back. And it's such a bummer with those injuries because we are looking at a a unit that was going to be not only a strength of ours but a strength of the NFL. You know, we were talking about it in the entering the year that we thought it, would, it would went hand-in-hand hand with any of the receiving cores in the league up to that point. And I think it kind of just speaks to the fact that there's no such thing as too much depth at this level. And you're seeing it now. Um, two, three, four guys go out, and you're down to, to nothing. Um, that's why we're developing these guys. That's why Jason Moore has been on the practice squad for as long as he has been. Because that is, it isn't the end goal, just having five guys that can do their jobs. This is a long season. It's a grueling sport. Guys do go down. It's just kind of the, the game. It's the way, the way it is. And it, it's an anomaly to see, you know, four of your top five guys go down with your fifth guy coming in and out of, of his, you know, dealing with his own concussions, doing with his own health issues. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. 
Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com, promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com, promo code IHEART. There's no such thing as too many receivers, uh, especially that position, which is so important to the today's day and age of, of NFL offenses. It's just an absolute travesty to see. But now this is where these young guys make a name for themselves. Can they play themselves into a contract next year? Can they try out a, you know, a spot on this team for themselves next year, which should be a really crowded receiver core come December when we do get those uh, Mike Williams get Keenan back, um, get those guys back healthy into their rhythm, man. It, I, I think you hit it on the, on the head with Josh Palmer's time to shine, but all of those other young guys who have been up and down on practice squads, not really having a, a place yet in this league. It's time to go and prove it. I know those guys are hungry. It's time to go make some plays. Let's talk about the Chargers defensive line. Uh, the Chargers run defense is stronger than it was last season, but over the last three games, only the Texans have given up more rushing yards. Chargers have given up 174 yards per game over the last three games, uh, which is just insane. If you take a look at the last five games, the Seahawks, they gave up 213 yards rushing. The Broncos, 98. It's pretty decent. The Browns, 213 yards rushing. I get it. Bradley Chubb. Um, Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb. Uh, the other Chubb. Nick. Um, Nick Chubb. And then the Texans, 131, and then Jacksonville, 151. Outside the Browns game where Nick Chubb is probably going to go over 100 yards every single week just because of how talented he is in that offensive line. Some of the other stats there you are seeing are kind of inflated. The Texans had a 70-yard play. Uh, the Seahawks also had a 70-yard play. Um, if you if you take those out, the Chargers overall were much more consistent on the ground. Um, and a big part of that's going to be Austin Johnson's bash with Joseph Day. I went and did some research. So both of those players have 15 total stops, stops being plays that result in a negative play for the offense, which ranks them in the top 15 of all interior defenders getting involved against the run. I went and took a lot, look at uh, the Chargers' total stops um, along the interior of the defensive line, we have 46. You add uh, Morgan Fox and Jerry Tillery, each of them have 10 stops combined, along with uh, Tito Ogbonia. So the Chargers' 46 total stops on the interior defensive line, that ranks second amongst all AFC teams in the NFL. Out of 16, we rank second. I didn't get a chance to go and look at the NFC. And it's kind of... Interesting to see the Chargers have 46 total stops. The only team that has more of the Broncos 57 um, kind of makes sense. When you take into account that the Chargers play so many interior defenders, you've got uh, three on the interior and then you got two edge rushers for a big chunk of that. But a no, there's a lot of teams that aren't even close. The Raiders only have 16 total stops from their interior. Uh, the Bills only have 23. Um, the Browns only have 18. And then there's a slew of teams that are still under 
you know, 40. You got the Jets at 39. You got the Chiefs at 24. Um, overall, like the Chargers interior group is playing really, really well. And a big chunk of that is Austin Johnson's fashion Joseph Day. If we can be more consistent by preventing those uh those those big plays, those you know, 50, 70 yard rushes that happen once a game, the Chargers run defense is actually really, really good. We just got to like prevent the big play because we're being a lot more consistent overall from play to play in our run yeah. defense. Well, and then what do you attribute that to? How, what is your, you know, key to removing those big plays? Because it, it's not as simple as just, you know, it, it's a very, you know, nuanced type of, of problem we're seeing um yet last it only year takes one play right it only takes only one. one guy missing one assignment out of the 60 snaps he plays in a game so how do you t- one how guy. do you how do we how do we fix that how do we remove that one play because it, gotta it, stay it disciplined right that's play. what it ultimately okay. comes down to right is you you make the mistake you have to learn from it right you got to go to the film room and make sure you don't make that mistake again yeah i think it's more of a a discipline per player right one of those was Nasir Adderley taking a bad route. Uh, you take a look at the Nick Chubb one. Like, three guys could have made that tackle. Yeah. Right? You got to learn from the mistakes, and and you got to – it's not even like you have to make an adjustment to prevent it. You just have to make the play when the play is there to be made. Simple. So, yeah, make the play when the play is there to be made. Uh, do your job. Yeah, just do your job. Let's talk about Khalil Mack for a second. Return of the Mack. The Mac attack, the sack daddy, Mick Mac, Patty Whack. Give that dog his bone. Little Mac has been so good. So good for the Chargers. Talk about the defensive line, the edge guys for me real quick. Uh, and just tell me what you think about that group as a whole. Oh, no, I'm excited about it. I mean, uh, it, it's a bummer to, you know, have no to have no Joey Bosa out there because this would be a truly elite group if you add a guy like Bosa into that mix. But talking about the guys that are in-house, Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, they've been great. Morgan Fox has been great. I'm still looking for that just takeover game because they've been good. They've been great at times. At this point with the, you know, at, at, at this point, I, I need an absolute dominant performance, which I, I think we're building towards. You don't get that week one with all of these new pieces. I think this is one of the most cohesive units we have right now. Um, the one that is feeding off the, each other the most. And you're seeing the least amount of hero ball. Uh, when I was talking about the offensive line, you're seeing guys going out of their way to you know compensate for guys that they don't believe in. I think you've seen the most cohesiveness, the most trust in this unit, and that's probably why they're one of the most effective position groups we have on this team right now. Um, and a big part of that is Khalil Mack. That guy instills confidence. There is still a lot of football left in that guy. There is not enough that can be said about what he is bringing to this team, what he's bringing to this defense, what he's bringing to that unit in particular. He is a amazing signing. He's probably going to go down as one of the most productive uh trades that the chargers have ever made i can't think of another guy that we've gone out we've we've gone out for similar types of pedigrees but like past their prime and people were thinking that khalil was done he just had a he had an injured year on a bad team now you're giving him in a a system and a learning from a guy that he's has a lot of faith in and you're seeing it 
instilled on him on the on the field. He is playing extremely confident, extremely, you know, within himself. Uh, and those other guys are, are absolutely feeding off of it. I still want a, you know, a dominant, a get into, you know, I, I want to see a dominant day from Joseph Day and Austin Johnson when we face this um, Falcons team who is very, very good at the run. That's really all that they do well. They continue to run the ball effectively, and they're doing it without getting one-dimensional. Um, so I love that unit. I think those guys are huge. Um, we've been waiting for an offensive or a defensive line like this for a long time. Um, but it is worth all 70 million or however many, I, I think it's like 70 million we've invested in this defensive line. Um, they're worth every penny in my opinion. And I'm just ready. I'm just ready for that offense to kind of carry its weight. So that defense doesn't have to be on the field for as long as they are, because they are on the field a lot. It seems they're getting it done. But I think a part of that big, Part of that lack of discipline leading to those big plays is the fact that these guys can't get off the field. Well, they can get off the field, and when they do, they're right back on with a you know just a faltering offense. So it, it, it goes back to what Staley's been preaching his whole time, his whole tenure with the Chargers. We need a complete team. You're seeing streaks of it. You're seeing units perform while others underperform. It's time to put it all together. I think we can feed off of this unit because, in my opinion, it's the, it's the best unit the Chargers have fielded all season. I'm going to cover the linebackers. I'm letting cover the secondary. I want to talk real quick about Drew Tranquil. Uh, this has actually been like a really, really strong combo with Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray. Uh, but Drew has become like a vital part of this defense. Now, he's even taken on the green dot from Derwin, who wore it all yeah. last year. Takes a little bit off of Derwin's plate. Tranquil in particular has taken like enormous strides in every phase of his game from this year to last year. Maybe not to the extent extent that Kaiser White did last year, but I think that the main issue is finding the ball carrier and bringing him down. But overall, like Drew Tranquil's like become very, very well well rounded. Uh, he's got two sacks this year. He's got two quarterback hits and seven total pressures. He's only rushed thirty times. He's only blitzed thirty times, and he's gotten to the quarterback four times with at least a, a knockdown, if not a sack. That is a pressure on 23% of his total blitz attempts, which is huge. If there is that single issue, though, it's it's the missed tackles. He's got the fourth most mm. missed tackles this year. It's part of the scheme, and it's not for like a lack of effort. His 23 credited stops makes him a top 15 linebacker, which means he's taking chances. The result of going for those big plays for the, the defense, you're going to miss some tackles. And the play that Trinkle has, has been given us, it's it's overwhelmingly better than those missed tackles. Uh, in coverage, we know Trank has, is, you know, he, he's a baller. He's able to, to keep everything out in front of him. He's given up a lot of receptions, but everything's been in front of him. He's only given up one touchdown. And then in terms of Kenneth Murray, very much improved, playing with the physics that like made him a first round draft pick uh, maybe not quite as effective as drew tranquil but there's been a, a huge development to his game now that he's fully healthy um i'd say he's given us at least average play with like little bits of greatness sprinkled in if you watch him as a blitzer he's not been given nearly the number of pressures as he's deserved because i've seen him go and hit the gap hit the guard and drive the guard back into the feet of the quarterback hasn't led to a sack, hasn't led to him even getting close to a, a sack, but it is really 
speeding up the processor, the quarterbacks that he's playing up against, uh, making them get the ball out because Drew Tranquil as a blitzing linebacker, maybe not using his hands to get off the blocks, but he's definitely making it hard for the quarterback. So I've been really, really impressed with both players. I think Kenneth Murray next season is probably going to be your linebacker one. Drew Tranquil probably playing himself out of a contract with the Chargers. going to be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but Drew Tranquil has played really, really well, and I'm really, really excited to see his development this season coming back off the crazy ankle injury. It's good to see. Yeah, he's been fun. He's been a big bright spot. Um, well, and let's go into to another big bright spot, I think, has been the, for one, the an absolute assertion of Asante Samuel Jr., as a legitimate corner, one of the best right now in the game. It's only a second season. I can't see this guy doing anything but get better year in and year out. He wants it so bad, and, and you're seeing the production come. Um, a guy who let some big plays go early on in the season, who has learned from his mistakes. You were saying it. He has not made the same mistakes uh, continuously. He's a guy that he makes a mistake once. You're just making him better. So thanks for that. He has been phenomenal. Another resurging talent, uh, uh, well, a resurging talent has been Bryce Callahan, a guy who was forced into an outside cornerback role with Denver the last couple of years. People thought he was washed. He comes over to Brandon Staley, a guy he's very familiar with, gets put back into his natural position at nickel, locking it down for us in the slot. He has been very, very effective, very productive. Moving on out to the other side, Michael Davis is a player that I really liked who was kind of phased out because Asante Samuel had such a great offseason, was benched early on in the year uh, when, when you know we were we still had JC Jackson. But he's those three guys are a big reason why the JC Jackson injury isn't the worst thing in the world for us. Yes, it sucks. Yes, you want an all pro out there if you can have them. This is why I was talking about there's not there's no such thing as too many guys uh, at, at those key positions. We were talking about trading Michael Davis for picks. You know how, you know, we would be so down bad right so now important. if we did something like that. Um, and then wait and then waiting in the, you know, I guess just waiting for a chance himself who's been very, very good. Uh, as a special team player, has been Jaw Taylor. Um, this is why you draft these young guys, you build them up, you show them the system, you give them glimpses of what it would be like to be a starter, but you make them hungry. I think Jaw's earning every second of playing time that he has earned so far. I'm really excited to see his development as he carries out his rookie contract. And going to be a starter next season if Bryce Callahan's not resigned. Sure. Why not? I mean, the guy, the kid is really good. Um, he's learned, he takes instruction. Well, um, I'm excited to see what he can do. He, he's been very, he's been very fun to watch, uh, especially on that special team unit, something that's been lackluster for us for my entire lifetime, my entire fandom. Um, he's been, he's been very fun to watch going over to the safety room. What, what can you say about Derwin James? Um, that man's amazing. I, I, I just want him to. I don't know what it is. I, I feel like he just needs to settle down. I think he needs a big play because I feel like he is, I don't know. Uh, 
Yes, he's very effective. Yes, he's making his tackles. He's been phenomenal as a blitzer. When Derwin gets in in that um, in that money package, when he comes downhill as as a linebacker and is allowed to blitz or even blitz off the edge, I think that's been the most effective we've seen him this season. Um, but it's because you asked the guy to do so much, and I really think I really think he's just one big play, like a big fumble or big force fumble or a big interception away from just refinding his confidence I, I think he's doing a lot right now I, I really think he needs a big conf, confidence building play um, and I think that's coming because he's such a he's such a, a into his craft type of guy I think it's coming I just kind of see him playing kind of frustrated right now I, I think he's not performing up to his expectations and I think he feels that way because we're four and three um, but but you you want some type of, you want competitors like that I just think I think he's playing very well. I think he's still hungry. And I think for him to kind of satiate or what is the word to kind of, you know, feed that hunger, he needs a huge splash play. And I think we're, we're very close to seeing that happen. Um, Nas Adderley's had a very up and down type of year. Um, I, I think, and he's kind of had a very up and down type of career. I, I, I think the, the, the intangibles are there. I think this guy just needs to be cons- get more consistent and continue to stop making the same plays. Cause it, it, it seems we love his instincts. Um, he can be too instinctual at times, but I think you're kind of fine. You're, you're starting to see now, especially after he got benched for a Lowy Gilman Gilman came in, uh, provided a really good game for us was had a, a game ceiling interception late. in I, I forget which game it was, but was very important. Um, that game that Nas got benched. But since then, when Adderley's been in the lineup since the last couple, I think it's the last two weeks that he's been back in the lineup, you haven't seen the over-pursuit. You haven't seen the the over-anticipation. He's been in timing. His timing's much better. Um, and once he can get that down to like a science, I think he's going to be a very good player. Haven't seen anything really from JT Woods. I think that's a, a de- developmental piece um, that probably is is looking like a reach now in the third round. Um, maybe he can get it together, but I haven't seen enough from him to say anything less than than a reach at this point. Dean Leonard has been a very, very good uh, depth piece, very good special teams piece. Um, but that, Huge that is, special teams piece. I think he has been astronomical. Both Jasir Taylor and Dean Leonard have been exceptional nice. special teamers, and they've shown so much promise, right? And that's that was what I was getting into. Those three guys, regardless of JT – as actually playing the the future of that position group is as bright as it's ever been with guys like with Derwin James with guys like Asante Samuel Jr. under contract for a long time let allowing those young guys who have a lot of potential who are just not ready yet grow and naturally develop that is going to pay dividends down the line here two three years when we are going to be we are very very close to breaking into that role of perennial contender. I think we're a couple years away from it, but I, I think when you build, you know, DB depth pieces like this, when you build an offensive or defensive line that we've built, when you have the pieces that we have, you're very close. It's just rounding out the second, third, four strings, getting a competitive in all three phases and letting those build on each other. We're very close to that. And a big part of that is, is, giving Staley his, his 
you know, his chess pieces. And for Staley, his defense revolves around pass rushers and a plethora of DBs. And we got a lot of young guys coming up through the ranks. I think that's going to cut it for our self-scouting episode. Cutty. I just kind of want to, you just want to cover the Falcons real quick. Um, we're already at an hour. I feel like there's a whole lot to talk about with the Falcons. And then maybe start our uh, our dual episode next week. I think that's the way we should go about it. Well, yeah. Well, what do you want to say? What do you have to say about the Falcons? I don't have. Yeah. Much. So you know, just kind of going through their roster real quick. So Marcus Mariota. It's kind of nice seeing Marcus Mariota starter uh, again because I was a big Marcus Mariota fan coming out of college. I uh, really wish things would have worked out well for him, but he's been kind of. Uh, better as a kind of career backup. Uh, he's got 10 touchdowns, six interceptions. Uh, he's completing 63% of his total passes. Not all his fault. He doesn't have a ton of weapons. It's it's really mainly two guys. Corderell Patterson, who's missed three, four games this season. Uh, he's still their leading rusher and has only played in, in four games. Uh, 340 yards rushing, three touchdowns. Talk about Drake London, who's been exceptional. Uh, he's played really, really well. 30 receptions, 346 yards, two touchdowns. Big body receiver is really good at just getting open, especially when the play breaks down. And then their kind of last real threats, Kyle Pitts, uh, just 21 receptions, 258 yards. He's much, much better than that, much more yeah. dangerous than that. Uh, I think that uh, with Cordero Patterson out, they can just kind of key in on and Drake London and keep Kyle Pitts, and they don't really have to worry about anything else. Uh, they do have some young backs on the roster who are able to kind of surprise you. I think Tyler Algier has been kind of a, a decent power back for them. Uh, they also have Caleb Huntley, Navy Williams, who sp- splits and carries. Um, nothing really too scary about this offensive side of the ball. There's no reason our defense sh- shouldn't have our way with them. Just kind of want to get your thoughts real quick on what do you expect out of the uh, the 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 Falcons offense, what do you expect out of the Chargers defense? Is there a, a specific matchup you're looking at for? And uh, just kind of tell me tell me what your thoughts are with the, our, our defense versus their offense. Yeah, um, it's one of those matchups, again, that doesn't really favor the Chargers side of things. Um, they are a big because they don't. Cordell Patterson going down for them it ha- has been huge. Not he having, has returned to practice, but I don't think they've uh, re- brought him back from IR quite yet. Okay. Well, even – even, but in his absence, they have turned with without multiple elite receiving threats, without a quarterback who really has the arm talent to pick apart zone defenses, to make those tight contested throws in man coverage. Marcus Mariota is a good quarterback, but – he is a game manager with his arm. He's mostly effect. He's he's at this point most effective with his legs, and that's what they're using. That's what they're doing a lot of. A lot of RPOs, a lot of ground game, and they're committed to the run game. And they're doing it in a way where you you know it's very hard to you know they're not just one running through one gap. They're they are adding enough run pass options that give it the offense enough elements that that keeps defenses, you know, on guard. And so I'm expecting a very heavy dose of the run game. I'm starting Algier uh, in all my fantasy leagues. Um, I usually do it as a way I I, I'm doing it as I'm, as I'm hoping 
as a a jinx because uh, I don't want him. I would I'd rather I starting him with confidence because I want him to get 15, 20 yards, no touchdowns. But I just don't see it happening. Um, I I just think that the way this team is built, it is a run heavy off. It's a run heavy offense that really just needs one play. Uh, Tyler Algier is is a big play waiting to happen. He's been doing it since he started entered the starting lineup. He is a very good back, a guy we have been talking about through the draft process. And then when you throw in a Drake London, a very big, tall, physical receiver who can run routes effectively. And he's going to be matched up one-on-one with a little guy. Little, you, talk right. about, you talk about our our BB1, our uh, – I can't think of his name right now. Um, Asante. Asante. Asante is going to be – he's 5'10", matched up against a – a six four six five wide receiver. That's going to be a mismatch they're going to try to exploit. I'm interested to see how that matchup goes. Absolutely, that'll be a fun matchup. I was saying it though before the top of the broadcast. I need dominant performances from Austin Johnson, from Sebastian Joseph Day, and throw in some Morgan Fox action for me. Uh, I'm not expecting a big day from Jerry Tillery. I hope he doesn't play. I don't think it's going to be very many uh, obvious past situations um well hopefully it is a lot of obvious past situations hopefully we're dominant on first and second down like i'm hoping we are uh and then hopefully we do see a bunch of jerry tillery on you know third and tens um love to see jerry tillery get some snaps in this game because that means we are absolutely dominating on first and second down and that's what i need i need the show out game i need those guys to go on national radar people that don't watch Charger football. I need them to know Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson's name after uh, after four quarters of this football game. Uh, they run a three four defense. Their their main defensive threat is going to be Grady Jarrett and AJ Tyrell. AJ Tyrell has not played nearly as well as he has in previous seasons. Uh, last year was a coming out party for him. This year he's kind of regressed a little bit. Sucks not seeing Casey Hayward out there. One of my favorite players of all time. Uh, he is on IR. If you take a look across their the statistics, they, they really don't have a legitimate uh, threat to get after the quarterback. Grady Jarrett's leading their team with uh, sacks, four and a half. Chargers have been giving up a lot of pressures on the interior. It's really going to be dependent on how healthy our center is because I already talked about that earlier. Um, if you take a look at total tackles, Rashawn Evans has 73. He is been everywhere for them all that tells me is that everyone else is struggling to get in on tackles uh you got uh michael walker and richie grant and jalen hawkins you have two linebackers two safeties uh three linebackers uh two safeties leading the team in total tackles that means they are definitely getting up to the second level this might be a good week to kind of get your run game going again build that confidence figure it out uh, overall, this this is not a good team. This is not a good defense by any stretch of the imagination. AJ Tyrell can surprise you. Richie Grant, uh, kind of a, a a safety who is coming into his own. Somebody who was drafted very highly, but no, by no means anywhere near a superstar status at this point in his career. Uh, they have struggled to get turnovers. They've got Michael Walker has one. Isaiah Oliver has one. Lorenzo Carter has one. Uh, Richie Grant has one. That's that's kind of it. They they really don't have a whole lot going for them. Casey Hayward obviously is out for the year. You can 
you we should blow this team out. Like good teams blow bad teams out. If we're we're a good team, we blow this team out by at least two touchdowns and a field goal. Um, I'm looking at this game being like a, a 31-10, 31-13 type of score. This kind of what I expect us to do to this team. Um, maybe, maybe not 31. Actually, now that I'm looking at all the injuries we have at, at running back at, at wide receiver, maybe it's closer to like a, a 24, but there's no reason we should not score at least three touchdowns. Uh, this seems like an Austin Eckler three touchdown day them early and often. Uh, but we, we should blow this team out without well, a doubt. I don't care how many wide receivers were down. That in a, a, a big matchup to look at they're very they're relatively very healthy but aj terrell hasn't practiced at all this week so far um i think the big indicator will be you know tomorrow um but he hasn't practiced this week i I don't know exactly what he's nursing right now waiting in the fold is rashad fenton a former kansas city chief who i'm very very high on so i think even with aj terrell out they still have a decent receiving core but it's nowhere near as complete as when AJ is healthy competing. 100% this is a game that we need to win. And it's a game not only do we need to win, but it needs to be some a confident building win. 100% in the driving seat from opening snap to the end of the game. That's how you're going to, to spark this team. Because I was saying it last year. We need to bring out... What is the... Uh, when you bring out the um, like for like EMT, like if your your heart's com- you're you're having a heart attack oh. or something, <laughs> a, we need uh... one of those clear. <laughs> That's what we need right now. Uh, and you, we need th- that happens from a, what is those? What are they called? You know what I'm uh, talking about, right? An EM, EMP, EM, is it EMP? EMP? But they rub it together and they say clear, and then they jolt it, and it like it's somebody who's like not breathing, right? And you try to jolt their heart back into their chest um i don't know what it's called look up that instrument you know exactly what i'm talking everyone knows what i'm talking about here defibrillator defibrillator defibrillate this team defib this team please uh that we need a blowout win not even a blowout win just a a, a, in the driver's seat yeah defibrillator please defibrillate this team give me that dominant win that i've been waiting for since week one we're week nine and i haven't seen uh uh I've been stressing every step of the way. Every game we've played, every quarter has been stressful. Give me a, a stress-free week, please, Chargers. And so I can start my week off right. Um, I, we'll be back here next week, and hopefully I'll be a little less stressed. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, this is Shock Therapy. We 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 need to we need to restart something. So maybe we just need to take those plugs, put it on a battery, get the car started, and, and get it moving. Don't uh, lick it, you. but let's go. Next week we will be starting our, our two episodes a week. Try to keep them to about thirty minutes. I feel like with this whole self evaluation that we needed to do because this needed to happen on the bye week. Yeah. Figure out what our strengths and our weaknesses are. Um, this is a good kind of preview for the rest of the season, kind of see where we are headed as a football team, as a playoff contender, potentially uh, as Super Bowl contenders, if we can figure out a way to, to stay healthy and get all that done. Right, the uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Over and out.
sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART.